You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet again another episode of The Dice Men Cometh. It is episode 319, so it has been a while that we've been at this old game, and we are the Southern Hemisphere's favouritest podcast about board games, card games, tabletop games, role-playing games, anything you can play and on and around a table. But this week, we are joined by a good friend of ours from a little bit further away than the Southern Hemisphere, and we will be interviewing him about all the fun stuff he gets to play. But I'm here, as always, I am with my little elf on the shelf, as he's known as Garth. How are you, Garth? Very good, but I've never been known as an elf on the shelf, but I'll take it, maybe? Um, well, but yeah, Leon, it's yes. pretty spectacular, 319 episodes. Um, it's not bad. It's not the bad. Last However many of them in our own little private gaming dungeons is weird yet good because we get to do a whole bunch of really cool stuff and interview really cool people from all over the world, don't we? I know. There's a whole big world out there, if you can believe it or not. And some of them like board games as well. I thought it was just us here in Tasmania, but no, there's a whole industry out there. We should have been talking about that for 300 odd episodes. Nah, that sounds like way too much work, but... Today, tonight, this morning, all of those things, whenever you are listening, pales in comparison to our special, special guest, because we are very lucky to be joined from the warm streets, the cold streets of uh, Louisiana in the deep south of the USA with, we'll say friend of the show and we'll say longtime listener, BJ Rosa from Board Game Gumbo. Hello and welcome to this particular podcast. Hey, board gamers, it's BJ from Board Game Gumbo. Leon and Garth, it is. I'm super excited to be here. And yes, we're 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 pretty warm here. We're like 70 degrees, which would be like negative 38 in Celsius. Is that right? Is that, <laughs> I don't really do Celsius very well, but. No, exactly right. And yeah, I don't know how that all works out in, uh, in our particular language, but that's okay because we're going to talk the international language of board gaming instead. Yes. Now, obviously, we have mentioned um, your particular sort of Facebook videos and your your own little show itself. But for those listeners who don't know who and what you are, would you like to enlighten us and, and just tell us a little bit about, about yourself? But before we get to that... Yes. I have something very important. This chat cannot go on any further without everyone else in the world knowing that it's about 21 degrees. Okay. Ah. So it's it's just it's just nice. It's not hot, it's not cold, it's just it's just nice. All right. Anyway, continue talking about board games. I'm just here as if, your little QI elf essentially. If it was 21 <laughs> degrees in Louisiana, my toes would be frozen and falling off. So I, I, apparently that's good though in Celsius. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. Yes. It's mild. It's mild. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I, to, in all honesty, Garth, I'm just the lesser known person from Steve, the name father, who's uh, who who's actually the one who turned me on to your show uh, a year or so ago, listening to him. So Steve's, Steve's been on before, but Steve, Verla, and myself run a little show called Gumbo Live. Uh, we like to say the number one Facebook live talk show. There's a disclaimer on that. We were the first one, not not number one in ratings. We were way <laughs> on the bottom. But, you know, someone told me either to be, you know, you if you want to be successful, you either have to be first or best. And clearly, I was never going to be best. So we tried to be first instead, you know. So Perfect. That sounds good. Now, we'll, we'll get onto, onto the board game gumbo stuff in a little sure. bit. Because obviously, you know, 
everyone will probably know about that anyway through Facebook because that's a thing. But but what about what about little BJ? What about growing up BJ as a as a kid? What's your little bit of a a life story up to you know when you got into gaming? It's little BJ Horn, right? Oh yeah. So <laughs> really, uh, my 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 entry into board games, uh, my story is very short. This past Tuesday, I was walking by this game store and I saw Carcassonne and I picked it up and I've been playing games ever since then. Whoa! We, we've done a hundred and hundred something shows since this past tuesday so that yeah that is amazing your content creation is out the door <laughs> non-stop 24 hours a day no <laughs> it, the story is longer than that i've been playing board games about 15 years i guess and i've been playing games all my life i grew up with my grandmother teaching me of a french card game called bataille we're, we're cajuns down here and uh that that led into D and graduated from high school and started playing Magic the Gathering. And, you know, like many people, Magic the Gathering led me to Board Game Geek and other places like that, found Carcassonne and Settlers of Catan, and I've been playing ever since. So it's been longer than Tuesday. When do you remember getting into into it? Like going from card games and playing, you know, your rummies and your, your typical things that a lot of us grew up with, with, you know, parents, grandparents, cousins, and what have you. But do you remember when, you know, there was this little spark of, of excitement in your brain and you went, I really dig the the puzzle. I really dig the community of it. I really, I really just get this hobby. I was that guy that would go to people's houses, friends' houses for a little play. You know, if you're doing a play date or something. My my best friend back then was a guy named Robbie Thompson, and he was a big football player, and he had boxing gloves, and he always wanted us to go in the basement and box. But I wanted to go in the closet and pull out Payday, Monopoly, Risk. <laughs> That's a. I mean, I I literally I don't remember a time when we didn't play. But I grew up with parents that also played board games. Now it was just, it was just mass market stuff, but they would invite their friends over once a month and they would play Monopoly or Scrabble or, um, or Racco or my dad loved the game pit. Oh my God. He loved the game. pit. I probably own three different versions of it in my house. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I grew up always playing it. Now switching into the hobby games was different for like, you know, I didn't have that, that, that philosophy, but I do remember, uh, and this is going to, this is going to date me, but I do remember my buddy getting the Dark Tower in high school and also my other good friend getting um, a game called Dungeon from TSR. And we played that all those two games. We played we played Dark Tower until it broke. I mean, it just wouldn't play anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, we grew up with all those playing, uh, you know, Stop Thief and Clue. I don't know if that's what you all call it over there in Australia, but uh, what we call Clue. I think the, Brit the Brits call it Cluedo, but uh, yeah, we, we call it yeah. Cluedo, too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we played all of those things, but I didn't discover the hobby, the German hobby of board games, you know, until the, I guess, the late nineties or early two thousands. Yeah. No, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Cause I, I still think that, you know, the, the biggest barrier for, for a lot of, you know, casual gamers into the hobby yeah. is the fact that they're not in, you know, not in Australian retail stores anyway, unless they're, they're specific gaming stores or they're more boutique and then the challenge is still the the thickness of a rule book. You know, the good thing yeah. about you know monopolies and your scrabbles and your ones that we've all grown up with, they'd be lucky if it's a four page rule book. So the the gaming hobby, as far as you know, our hobby goes, has still got a fair way to go in that you know mass marketability. But yeah, that barrier, that, that barrier to entry, right? Yeah, yeah, it has. But look, things like this will hopefully get it uh, a little bit closer and into a few more people's hands. You know, I, I, that's I think that's why I like the the people over at um, Prospero Hall with with the Funko, you know, the the, the Funkos. Yep. Uh, the games that they're putting, at least in our stores here, we have a, a big red store called Target, and they're putting a lot of games in Target, and they're all relatively simple mechanics, smaller rule books, 
accessible people. But when we play them, our hobby games, I mean, you could play uh, Funkoverse or Pan Am or any one of those games and have just as much fun as anybody. So I, I think that's the thing. We, we, we need to develop American or, you know, at least for our market, American style games with simpler rule books that you can find in any store. Absolutely. We're just not there yet. No, we're getting there. We're heading in the right direction, though. Speaking of, what is the gaming scene like in, in your neck of the woods? So, in Louisiana. Yeah, so I'm in Louisiana. Uh, I'm in a little, in, in what we call the Cajun country in Acadiana. Uh, we're a college town, so that does help. We've got a bunch of game stores here. Most of them cater to Magic the Gathering, of course, and other CCGs. Yep. But uh, we, we started up a convention three years ago, the Southern Board Game Fest. It's a fundraiser for, our, for a, a local charity, New Hope Foundation. And we started with 125 people the first year, and now we're up to two or 300 in ticket sales every year. Of course, it didn't happen this year, but our gaming scene, you know, before COVID was, was actually pretty nice in Louisiana. It is nowhere near, we're not a gaming mecca like the PAC Northwest or like Indianapolis or St. Louis or anything like that. We're not, we're not that big. We're not like Dallas, but we've got a nice gaming section. If you, if, if you guys decided to move the show to Lafayette, we'd have plenty of room for you. I promise oh, you. Fantastic. Well, you never know you're lucky in a big or small city, so we might take you up on that. So do you find yourself, you know, walking around all these gaming stores and just going, I need to spend more money or are they even open at the moment? Yeah, so our, our main game store just kind of reopened. Uh, it's called Anubis Game and Hobby. It's an awesome game store. They they took a hit, though, for a couple of months. No one was going at all. Now, I was trying to promote it. Um, we A bunch of our friends, we had been buying things and just doing that curbside delivery. Yep. And that kind of kept him going. And same thing with the Magic players. But he told me it was it was rough for two or three months, really rough. He's reopened, but it's limited. Everyone has to have masks. He's taken out half of the tables. So you, you, we don't have more than six or eight people in the entire store at any one time. And we're all spread out. Like we played, uh, I, I went for the first time this past week and we were all at different corners of a big giant six foot table. So <laughs> it, it makes it awkward to play a game. You know, you're pretty far from each other, but you know, if, if the choice is the business failing and we and we never play at all, or if we're just going to limit the numbers and 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 play as safely as possible and keep an eye on the outbreaks, you know, so right now, Lafayette's kind of, you know, we're on the downside of it. So right. uh, we were able to do that. But other than that, there's just not much in the way of gaming activity. For instance, I play with a regular group, my, my crew to gumbo, we call it. And we have not gotten together for a single game since March 13th, not once. Yeah. Yeah, we just have, you know, I've, I've, so a lot of the guys in the gumbo, they've got parents that are, that are, um, you know, on those protocols where they could, where it could get dangerous for them. So we're, we're trying to do everything we can. We're wearing our masks. We're, we're socially distancing and we're playing everything online. I'll tell you as a reviewer, it, it's been tough these past six uh, months. It's, it's just tough to give games in. Oh, you're, you're preaching to the converted here because yeah, Leon and I went for months. I mean, it's, it was good. We went for months without seeing each other, so that was nice. It was lovely, but we, went for, we went for months without playing games, and trying to talk about this stuff becomes quite tricky, hey, Leon? Yeah, Leon's that's got a of, smile. Yeah, it's kind of why we went to fortnightly show instead of weekly, and the whole live thing kind of went away because we weren't allowed to go to our live studio anymore because it didn't exist because it was at a university where everyone had to be cautious and be protective, rightfully so. So it hasn't been easy. I suppose they have had the um, the online playing of board games, which has become hugely popular, but um, there are still certain people, myself much more than Garth, but Garth kind of included that it's just not the same playing games online. It's fun, it's lovely to talk to friends and make sure that they're happy and safe and where they are, but board games are the 
the looking at somebody across the table and swearing in their face directly. That's that's what board gaming is about. I've basically told uh, publishers that 90% of the reviews that you're getting out of me, it's me and my wife or me and my boys. I'm getting two plays in. I'm sorry, two player plays or three player plays. Yep. You send me a seven person game. I, I just can't get it to the table. I just can't. Oh. Yep, we, we know exactly what you're talking about. It is tough, but we will be able to play them eventually. We'll be able to have all those people around the table, you know, knock on wood uh, sooner rather than later. So let's speak about why, like us, would you turn something really fun like playing games <laughs> and make it not fun and turn it into work and not only just work, but regular, consistent content creation, which we make it look easy because we're really good at it. But you what do. A, not a lot of people understand is that there's a fair bit of work that goes on behind the scenes just to make sure that it's created and it's not constantly garbage. So why you choose? Why do you choose that? The listeners can't see this, but I mean, I'm staring at what basically is the ESPN studios. I mean, this is amazing. <laughs> the setup and the time that you guys have put in to this. I, I mean, I don't even know why you're not broadcasting it through video because people need to see this. But that's okay. <laughs> you know, I'm getting the benefit and they're not. <laughs> for me, I, I was always a frustrated broadcaster. I, I actually went to LSU for broadcast journalism and I was there for 32 seconds, I think, before they kicked me out. I think it was yeah, 32. Wow. Might have been 33 <laughs> seconds. But um, no. yeah, they, they, they immediately said, oh no, this guy's got to go. But I always wanted to be a broadcaster and, uh, I, I, and I've done a little bit of that. You know, I've, I've done some high school sports and things like that, but never, never professional. I just, this is what it is. And I was at Dice Tower Con, I guess about four years ago. We were all sitting around the table. My son, Jack, was playing Dice Forge, and the game was lasting a little long. And me and a couple other people are just sitting in the back. We might have been drinking some root beer or other adult beverages, you know. Nice. And uh, one led to another, and we started talking. And two or three hours later, we finally finished up the conversation. And I thought to myself, I said, I like playing games, but I like hanging out with people and talking about board games just as much as I like playing games. <laughs> hey, have you guys ever done this? At the end of our game night, the game store kicks us out at 9 and I don't get home until 1130 because we're sitting in the parking lot talking about the games we just played or the games we're playing next week. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, absolutely. Um, it happens pretty much every game night because, yes, there would be some beer or some wine or some beer and some wine included. And, yeah, you talk about your shared experiences. You talk about what you've got coming. You talk about what you haven't played lately. And you just talk about garbage. You talk about whatever you talk about, but it's it's that social interaction that obviously in this year is is hard to come by. And when you get it, you grab hold of it with both hands. And um, yeah, no, I, I think that's as good enough as, as any reason to get something started on, on film or started on Facebook. That's it. I just like to talk about board games. And when Tom Vassell many, many years ago put out the word saying, hey, we're looking for some additional contributors for the Dice Tower. I was like, I like talking about board games. So I started. I started writing about them and I started talking about them and it led to the show. So that's that's basically what I, I it's nothing else, but I just like talking about board games. <laughs> That's perfect. So tell us a bit about what, what a board game gumbo is. What is it that you do uh, to promote the hobby and to, to keep yourself you know, entertained? Sure. I think of it as three things. I do write a blog that no one reads. Uh, every, every week we have content reviews, convention news, things like that, travel stuff. We do the show, Gumbo Live, on Tuesday nights. On Tuesday nights at 8.30 Central, 8.30 p.m. Central, uh, which would be like tomorrow for you guys, I guess. We're going to leave our yeah, QI off Leon to, to do that, aren't we, Leon? Uh, yeah. Central, I'm on it. Keep going. <laughs> it's, it's, all in, it's all in the future. So, yeah. So, on those Tuesday nights, we interview people. Uh, Leon's been on the show, for instance. Um, we interview people that are in the hobby. And that could be board game publishers, board game designers, 
artists, uh, even just uh, content creators. And we literally just talk about board games. That's they come all the other shows do the mechanics and the deep dives. And if you really want all the if listen, if you want smart board game talk that's going to dive into the mechanics and dive into the culture and dive into all of the specifics on how to be a better player, that's not our show because we're 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 more about fun and frivolity and just talking about board games and why people like them. <laughs> so. Uh, on, on an update, if you're curious why you might not get as many Australian viewers as you should have, it's because um, 8.30 Central is uh, 12.30 a.m., I think. Okay, middle of the Roughly night. No, time, uh, Australia. that'd be 12.30 noon, yeah, Australia. So you oh. you guys are the next day. Wait, oh, Joel yeah. Lewis has been on the show, Joel, and Joel's from Australia. Well, I've the been designer. on the show. What the hell am I talking about? I've been on the show as well. And it yeah, Leon's been on the show. <laughs> Don't worry. I've, to be honest, I'd like to think I'm a relatively intelligent young man. I've always had an issue with that AMPM thing, but continue. Yeah, I don't believe. It. Yeah, well, Joel Lewis from uh, right. I haven't been on. <laughs> oh, yet you meant to say yet, right, Garth? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yet, <laughs> Steve is <laughs> Steve is working on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Steve's been working on it. He wants he wants you to come on the show, I, but it's I know it's trouble. Uh, Noon on a on a Wednesday for y'all would be tough to to be on the show, but somehow Joel made it work. I, I think he's a nurse over there uh, in Australia, and he had a day off one day, and we scheduled it and we talked about fluttering souls, and I just had such a good time talking to Joel. So. Oh, he's a lovely guy, and um, you know, managed to make a really lovely little two player game. Phoebe, um, Phoebe Wild has been on the show. She's from Australia, right? She is. is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ludo so. Cherry's wrapping up their their production. They're um getting close to us soon. I hope. Yeah, so that makes me feel even more isolated that I haven't been invited. But anyway, that's okay. <laughs> Garth, Man. I can barely get you on one of these calls, let alone somebody from Louisiana. So don't don't go, you know, talking about that. Oh, it's all their fault. It's you, me. Just what where you live is just as far as Louisiana to me, mate. It makes no difference. <laughs> I just emailed you the contract, Garth. I just need you to sign. All right, all right sign. Excellent, wonderful. So. How long have you been actually, you know, gumboing? How long have you been doing this with, um, you know, with regular content? Yeah, so the blog is about six years old and the the show is, we're finishing up our seventh season. So the fall or spring of 2017, something like that. So about four years. Yeah, about four nice. Years. And how have you found those last four years in terms of content? Because we have spoken to heaps of content creators and wannabe content creators who... Like, like, you know, us and you, BJ, you know, started with this great idea of let's just do this because we personally find it fun. If we can get a few free games out of it, that's a bonus. But we're doing it because it's fun. And we're doing it because we enjoy talking about games. And you find that, you know, some people start off and they'll release and release and release. And then after a couple of months, it really trails off because the realization of hard work actually hits. And it is not easy to talk about games week on, week off when you're not talking about the one game over and over. You're talking about different games, meaning you've got to play all these different games, meaning you've got to read all the rule books. You've got to understand them. And you can't just play for fun. You have to play for work, you know, which sounds a bit weird, but you've got to do that. Well, that's it. I'm actually announcing my retirement because you've totally deflated any, <laughs> any enjoyment I might have gotten out of this show. That's it. I'm done. As soon as I get invited on the show, it's cut. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm going to tell you that there's been a couple of episodes where it was tough. And I tell Steve, I'm only going to do this if it's fun. And we take, we, we don't go on hiatus. We just take a break. 
And it might be a couple of weeks, it might be a month. And we just take a break, recharge the batteries and get it. Usually we've kind of built in breaks now. We kind of do it by the school year. So yes. Christmas, we're going to take a nice long month off. Um, and then I've had I've had uh, occasions where for a, for a family reasons, I, we, we took off three or four months. And it, it, you always wonder, is the audience going to come back at that point? You know, exactly. But but other than that break, we've basically built in school breaks, to, you know, around Christmas and then around the summertime. Uh, and that, I think, is what keeps me recharged, because I can honestly say this. When we take a, a month off or a couple of weeks off, I'm just raring to go. I just like talking board games. <laughs> I just like talking about them. Well, I think we've been going maybe seven odd years or so. And the most we've ever had is one week off. Leon, is that about right? <laughs> I believe one week off so far. So if you don't count the fact that we're doing it fortnightly now, which, you know, let's not talk about that. Because that wasn't our fault. We had no choice. But yeah, one week off in seven years between um, four, four of us and, well, two of us for the last six months has been not a bad little effort, I reckon. So this is 319 and I'm at 125. I'm never going to catch up then. <laughs> if you keep doing it <laughs> weekly, I'm never yeah. going to catch up. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Absolutely. So tell us about some of your, your highlights over the last few years, especially, if, you know, doing the Facebook show. Well, number one, I mean, if, if to be honest, Leon being on the show would be number one. So I guess we're going to talk about the other ones. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Yes, the 30 <laughs> seconds that I was on the show was, it was riveting stuff, but it did indeed change the landscaping of board games. Well, the hundredth and it was the hundredth celebration, right, Leon? Yeah, it was our hundredth episode. Yeah, it was indeed. And, and tonight we're selling the three hundred nineteenth, which I think is some kind of special number in Australia, right? Ah, uh, so, yeah. Three nineteen is the the day that Australia did. Um, the kangaroo became the prime minister. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Most Americans would probably assume that's true because we've just got them jumping around everywhere. We're swatting them away from our face as we yeah. speak. Sure, just just like our alligators, just rolling through the backyard every yeah, single exactly. day. With your, exactly, exactly, yeah. in, in in every toilet as it should be. Exactly. <laughs> what what was the question again? Oh, apart from Leon being your clear highlight out of your career, yeah. what other memorable moments have you had? Have there been any that compare to that? Yeah, any anytime Jeremy Howard is on the show, he's from Man vs. Meeple. He actually started he was he was writing a little tiny blog and it was called Jambalaya Plays Games. I'm from Louisiana. You can't put Jambalaya in your name, and I'm not gonna get excited. I reached out to him, and this is before he was doing anything. I reached out to him, I said, What what's the story? We hit it off. We came, We became friends right away. He started coming on the show, and then now, you know, now he's left left our little show and moved on to bigger and better <laughs> things as they do. Uh, but anytime Jeremy's on the show, it's a blast because he plays a ton of games and he's got this infectious humor and smile. I just love him. Number two, I will say, she was one of the best guests we ever had. Was Elizabeth Hargrave, the designer of uh, Wingspan. Yep, mm -hmm. she was fantastic. Just, just a joy. Number three is going to be weird because it's not really about board games. I, I there's been a ton of guests from you know Jamie Stegmaier, Ted Allspock, or you know any of the other people. Uh, Mandy Hutchinson was amazing. Yep. But all, all, out of all the people, we invited the people from Rather Dashing Games. And I don't watch a lot of TV, or you know I guess I used to. If it's Cheers, I'll watch it. But you know I don't watch a lot of TV. And Grant Wilson and Mike, the other designer, I just I like their games, so I got them to come on. I had no idea. The Grant Wilson was the Grant Wilson from this uh, this show about uh, ghost hunting called Ghost Hunters. Yep. And he was the the, the main guy. And on I, I didn't know this till right before the show. I checked his Twitter and he has like a hundred thousands and thousands of followers. And I'm telling Steele's like that 
we've never had anybody this big. I wonder if it's going to make a difference. Oh my God. We had a thousand people watching live. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's, that's a lot for a board game show. I don't care who you are. That's a lot of people. And as we're, as people are watching, they're hitting the, the chat and I'm trying to follow the chat and scroll and keep up with this. I mean, it's like a celebrity on the show and, <laughs> and he was a good sport about it. Apparently he's used to the, you know, people constantly talking to him, but that was, that was a, just a, just a crazy show that I will never forget because I absolutely couldn't, it went bonkers. I could not keep up with the chat. So that is really, really cool. And a little insight to what it would be like to be famous, huh? I'll never know. So I, I guess <laughs> I'll never know. It was a lot of yeah. fun. Though. No, it sounds like you've been you know, pretty lucky, but also through hard work, you've, you've been able to get some some really big names on the show. And look, we've, we've interviewed a fair few of those names that you've mentioned there as well, a little bit harder from, from our side of the planet. Have there been any challenging sort of, you know, episodes that you've had where, you know, things just haven't gone the way that you were planning? Yes. Uh, oh, and it was, he was such an interesting guy to talk to. And I, and I apologize. I'm just drawing a blank on his name, but he's uh I think he's from uh, your part of the world. And he did this uh, rat man game. What was the name of it? Oh, I'm just drawing a blank right now, but the internet issues, you know, we just, we just had trouble with internet. We had trouble talking to Joel Lewis from Australia with yep. internet. We had a show uh, a couple of weeks ago where the, the guest was the only person and we just couldn't connect. And, Ouch. and it, it's frustrating because I, we, I do a live show. So it's, this is it when what we're doing is what we're doing. And if we're not doing the show, it's kind of weird, but you know what we did? We just flipped the mics on, told the chat crew that it was going to be me, Steve and Verla. And we just had a show ourselves. Why not? Yeah. Well, when the rest of the world sees all those beautiful landscapes of Australia, all the, the outback and the beaches and stuff and everything that we have just to be know that um, just beside that shot, there is somebody in a house smacking a Wi-Fi router constantly because our internet down here, although we essentially live in paradise, is absolute garbage. Oh, it's garbage. Yeah, it's horrible. It's like the 50th, 50th something best internet in the world, which is just utterly ridiculous. Total and complete beauty and safety, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, are great internet, which... You're going to have to oh, pick yeah. one I, or the I, other, Leon. It sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not. I'm just letting you know behind the curtain that's what we're all doing. We're all <laughs> sitting in our lovely, safe, big houses hitting our Wi-Fi router. But, Garth, we have WWE twice a year right here in Lafayette, Louisiana. Wow. Leon. Wow. I, I almost I almost could care. Hey, Leon, but, but Leon's happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I could try, Garth. I mean, I know it's really what Leon wants, but, you yeah. know. Oh look, I want to. I've been to the states several times, but I have not been to Louisiana, so I'll have to make that happen when uh, when time in the world allows it. But look, what's the future holding for for Gumbo? What what are your plans to you know turn it into the gaming capital of the world on, online? Three hundred nineteen shows, and then we're going to retire it. I yep. think that's what we've we've already talked about. Sounds really. reasonable. We will be on that episode quite happily. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, th I think I think we like what we're doing. We, we have a, a pretty good format where we, we we talk to the guests, we talk about games, and then we play a game at the end of the uh, episode. That's always a little tough because we're always having to come up with new games. Yeah. Other than that, I think I think what I would like to do at some point, whenever the conventions uh, kick off again, I would like to expand the circle of conventions. I've been to Gen Con, you know, five times. I've been to PAX. I've been to uh, Dice Tower Con two or three times. I'd like to see some other cons. So. I'd love to go to Eschen Spiel if I could ever make it. I really would. Mm. And there's one in France that I would really like to go uh, cons. I like. I really like to do that one if, if I could do that. And I, I hear that the UK Gaming Expo is great. And then there's one border con that I've been thinking about going for for many many years. I just. I <laughs> 
Does that mean it would fit it on my schedule? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so tell us about these conventions, because look, Australia, we just don't compete, you know, with with you know, particularly North America in the the convention scene. We have Paxos, which is far and away the biggest. We'll have CanCon, which is you know probably second behind that. Then we'll have um, LFG in Sydney. We'll have BorderCon. We'll have Essen Unplugged um, for little ones. But but we just don't compete. You know, we have this one one Paxos, and that's kind of our big big convention for the year. How how do you get around? Is this is this you know you plan out your next six twelve months in normal life and go? I'm definitely going to go to make that one. I'm trying to make that one. Do you do a road trip? How does how does it all come together? Well, I belong to a group called Punchboard Media. Uh, it's a it's a kind of a just a loose association of content creators where we we really support diversity in the hobby. So we, we try to get uh, people from all walks of life that are willing to be content creators, and we try to shine light on all kinds of different people. Our slogan is we want everyone at the table. So that that makes it easier. I know that I don't have to be at every single convention. Somebody from Punchboard Media is going to cover it. But we do. At the end of each year, we kind of talk it out and find out who's going where. We talk about our calendar and we 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 had it. You know, we had it all locked out for the entire year of 2020. We knew what we knew which ones we were going to go to. Uh, I was actually going to try to go to a new con for me this year. Uh, there's one in St. Louis that I was going to try to make. That would have been fun. And maybe even sneak in a visit to Origins, which is not one of the biggest, but we're still talking 25,000 people. So it's that's a pretty big. big convention, you know, yeah. that's, I mean, that's a lot of people. Uh, so I was going to try to make origins uh, this year if I could, Fantastic. but um, that, that's kind of how we do it. We, we plan out the year. I, you know, I'm lucky enough. My, my kids are all grown and going. So it's just, it's just me and my wife. Now this is, this is as long as we do stuff together for vacation, she doesn't mind kicking me out for a week or two. A year. You know, <laughs> go, go, go do the board game stuff. So. She's happy with Excellent. That. So let's let's switch off from the show and talk about you as a gamer. What's your what's your current hotness at the moment? What are you finding? You know, just gets to the table again and again. So my my favorite game of the moment would have to be a game called Aquatica from Cosmodrome Games. I just okay. gotta absolutely love this game. If you like, if you like that Concordia mechanic, which by the way is my favorite game, so it's not a surprise cool. that I like Aquatica. But if you like Concordia, then I, I just think. I think Aquatic is right up there. You're basically playing as undersea king and queens, and you're trying to develop your kingdom. And, and in doing that, you're you're buying uh, different uh, little lands and also uh, inviting these uh, nobles into your into your hand. And at one point, you it's very simple. You play a card and you do whatever the card says in trying to gain things. But the twist in this one, number one, is it's got amazing art, so it looks better than Concordia. Yeah. And for most people, it's got a better theme. I mean, it's underwater kingdoms. If you like Abyss, it's that kind of style art and that kind of style gameplay. Trading in the Mediterranean doesn't do it for you thematically. <laughs> I love that, but you know, you know, we've had one or two of those games over the last fifteen years, so it is nice to see something a little bit different. Hey, it doesn't take the place of Concordia, but what it does do is it does it does the Concordia mechanic of play that card and put all the cards you have back into your hand and start playing again and trading resources to, to try to get other, you know, to get all the uh, victory points. It does that in a shorter time. You can play Aquatic in about 45 minutes. So yeah, cool. That's great. Get all, awesome. That's and added to the list. Well done. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Aquatic. Well, the reason also, I say it's hot is that it's got a, an expansion that's coming out, Cold Waters. And uh, it's been it debuted at Essence Spiel. So it, people are really excited about that new one. Fantastic. Oh. And it has a, a connection to the game we're going to be talking about today, yeah. Smartphone, because that is also released by Cosmodrome Games. So uh, nicely that prepared. is exactly true. 
And I'll expect a check from Cosmodrome at some point for two plugs during the same episode. I didn't even mean that. Oh, that was not too smart. So look, before we we switch topics onto actually, you know, talking about smartphone, a couple of things I need to know. First of all, what is gumbo? And then we'll figure out what's your recipe for it. Because, you know, this is this is something that is is possibly alien to a lot of our listeners. So in Louisiana, we're, one of the things we're known for, it, we're, it's a completely flat area. So we don't have mountains. We don't have whitewater rafting. We don't have any of that stuff. But what we do have is people that like to cook. We're, you know, from New Orleans to Lafayette, there's just a ton of restaurants and a ton of people that know how to cook, men and women. It doesn't matter. We, we don't have a, you know, it's not one or the other. Everybody down here knows how to cook. And one of those things that people like to cook here is, is a gumbo. So that's, you know, I was just trying to come up with a name that would be close to Louisiana. So board game gumbo, just, I don't know where it came, you know where it came from, really? We were doing a New Year's Eve party and everybody serves gumbo at New Year's Eve because it's a perfect hearty, I guess y'all would call it a soup, but it's it's much thicker than that. It's not really a soup yeah. uh, and it's got a lot of stuff in it and it's perfect for New Year's Eve when it's nice and chilly outside and people are popping fire, fireworks, somebody's got a gumbo cooking. And we play, for our New Year's Eve parties, we play board games. We've been doing this for 10 years. And so I, that's really what I was thinking. We're, you know, we're playing board games around a gumbo pot. So board game gumbo. And that's what gumbo is. It's a nice, thick, hearty, um, you know, broth made out of roux. And it, it should be thick enough where if you put your wooden spoon in it and you walk away, it should still be upright when you get back. Okay. It's a sign of a good gumbo. That's the insider tip, is it? That's it. <laughs> Fantastic. That it. And then and then before we switch, we better give you a little bit of a chance to, to do a bit bit of self-promotion, a bit of publicity. Give us all your details. Tell us how can people find you? Where can we find you online and on the socials? And um, maybe maybe drop that 8.30 central time thing again. Sure, sure. Mine is super easy, barely any inconvenience. It's 8.30 Tuesday nights, central PM on Facebook and on YouTube. And everything we have is all at Board Game Gumbo. So Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, and of course, if you want to look at the blog, it's boardgamegumbo.com. So all of it's easy to remember. It's Board Game Gumbo. If you're hungry for board games, you can go to Board Game Gumbo. Fantastic. That sounds good. Leon, have you got any other questions for BJ before we uh, take a little break and come back and talk about telephones? No, 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 no. I am very happy. I now know what gumbo is, which I'm pretty sure I did know in the first place, but now I'd have a better idea. And yeah, no, I'm just happy to talk about some games that uh, you and me, Garth, have been trying to talk about for quite a while. We've tried to have this interview with BJ. When was the first time we tried to do this? About two, three weeks ago. Let's not go through it because it's tedious and annoying. And But life got in the way, as it does when you're in two different hemispheres. But yes, no, I'm rip-roaring to be talking about some of those board game things. Fantastic. Well, look, BJ, thanks so much for giving us a little bit of an insight of about you as a gamer, you as a content creator, and obviously Board Game Gumbo. So stick around. We will be coming back after the break. So before we go, we obviously have to say thanks to our sponsor, LFG. So jump onto their website, lfg-oz, which is aus.com.au, and we will be back after this break. Indeed. Hello, everyone. My name is Rene Soria. And I listen to the Dice Men every time they don't uh, delete the episode. Thank you. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that was somebody with something, possibly us, possibly somebody else talking about a thing. But we are talking about board games, card games. And in this particular segment, we are talking about telephone games with our special guest, BJ from Board Game Gumbo and average continual non-guest, Leon, who's going to tell you about it right now. 
I certainly am. Because in Smartphone Inc., you become the CEO of one of the largest smartphone production companies in the time where smartphones were only beginning to conquer the world. You will research technology, develop your factory, build your worldwide office network, and outprice your competitors. Smartphone Inc. is an economic simulation Euro game, which is played over five rounds, and players will program their decisions about price, production, research, and expansion in order to earn the most profit and become the most successful company in the world. That sounds like a game, doesn't it? Nothing screams excitement like economic board game. I could see the pitch. Who needs dragons? Who needs who needs kobolds? Who needs pirates? Who needs zombies? You could be Steve Jobs. Yeah, because that worked out well. <laughs> well it, it did for the most part. It, it, it did for a while. Yeah. yeah. Either way. So yes. Hey, it so, was it was nice to get a change of of a, you know of scenery instead of the the same old same old, right, Leon? It certainly is. So, Smartphone <laughs> Inc. is a game that we've played a couple of times, and BJ's played even more of a couple of times. We actually played this a little while ago. We've been meaning to get this to the to the microphone and talk about it but we haven't had actually chance to find anyone else that's played it other than us so this is this is a grand thing to finally see it's good 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 absolutely so, it's been a long time coming we've had to play other games instead of just playing this one again though mm, but yes what is it all about what is it all about well as i said you are all different small smartphone companies at the dawn of when smartphones were starting to become a big thing so probably about 10 years or so ago a little bit longer and you the game is going to be played over various different phases as i said before and in the planning phase you're going all players are going to simultaneously make decisions for their next year and you're going to be doing that by putting different little development tiles on a special board that you've got hidden away from each other and that is it's kind of like a uh, uh what's that mechanic the planning i've lost it garth what's program movement program movement it's kind of like that but in a euro style game where you program out what the things you would like to do predominantly for your next round and everyone's going to have a slight different way of doing it and you're going to have that behind a little player board and then reveal it and then the round is just going to play itself out so it's quite simple in that once you wrap your head around it but all the crunchiness and the the thought and the ideas behind what you can do there is very interesting yeah, it is a, it's a really interesting sort of prospect because, it, yeah, it has so many phases in each round, but you've really only got agency over a couple of those phases, which is itself great because part of the trickiness of this game is the teach, like a lot of games, where you're going to be teaching what I think the eight phases are, but really then you go, you don't need to worry about that one and that one and that one and that one and that one because they just do it for you. It's, it's really quite interesting have you found many games bj that that have run that quarter kind of turn order sequence yeah it's it is it is strange how they do that but what i what i do like though at the top of the board as you're teaching the game you're right that you're gonna you know tell people we're not gonna worry about this till later but the next round that you do it people can look at just the top of the board and see exactly how the turn is gonna go it the the iconography is is done well enough to where the first round through you're gonna get all of those actions absolutely yeah we talk about quite often in board games that that nearly all of them you do the after one round you'll get it 
And that's more for smaller games, I think, in general. Whereas Euro games, you kind of need to have the whole strategy in your head before you start. But whereas in this one, it is that after the first round, you will get it. Every bit of iconography makes perfect sense. They're all very, they look what what they should be. And it works out in the end, which is always good to see. So you'll do that planning phase. Yep. Yeah, some people don't notice that it's actually color-coded. The purple area goes to the purple area. The red area goes to the red area. And you, and you kind of figure that out. It's the first round. You go, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing now. Yep. Yeah. So you'll have this planning phase. And then that planning phase will trickle down into all the other phases that are about to come through. So the next one is the pricing phase. So based off what you've put on your little board, players will change the price um, according to their decision. They'll make it either higher or lower to sell their smartphone. So if you sell them for higher prices you're going to make more money, but you won't be able to sell them in as many markets because higher prices don't necessarily appeal to a lot of people in the actual world because they can't afford it. But if you sell them lower, again, your production costs and everything else, you won't get as much profit, but you'll be able to sell more of them. It's, it's almost like some sort of game, isn't it, Gar? <laughs> it sure is, but it's good. I really do like this mechanic because this is where your strategy can vary horrendously dramatically from round to round. I could be selling them for two or three bucks one round. And the next round, I'm going to be selling my merchandise for eight bucks. Now, as you say, the flip side of this is that by by selling high, yeah, you might sell some, but you're not going to sell to everybody. Selling low, you're probably going to be able to sell to everybody, maybe. But also, you're going to be able to stop your competitors from selling phones. And therein lies very much the the meat of this particular phone sandwich is trying to sell as many as you can while stopping your competitors from selling their garbage, garbage phones that probably don't even have 4G on them. That does make perfect sense. And very much in Dice Men, uh, things that we like, it can be very a bit cutthroat doing that to other friends, which is just fun all day. So the next (laughs) little thing you're going to do in the production is everyone's going to produce their phones, which involves moving them from one little bit of a plastic tray that you're given to another little bit of the plastic tray you're given. Now, we need to quickly mention the components in this game. The board of this game looks really nice. It's nice and... um, not necessarily colorful, it's mostly white, but it looks very nice. Uh, whereas the little plastic trays you have to move your little phone cubes around are rubbish. That's not good. <laughs> They'll, I don't want to spoil it, but they did fix it. And I'll tell you why later. Ooh, excellent. Yeah. And okay. the, the original components were terrible. I mean, how many times did you just take your stuff out and just figure it out on your own? Because that, that those little trays didn't work. No. And look, I'm, I think I must be said as well with the, the actual little cubes and the steps and the buildings they're all 95 percent the same size they're all so similar so you're easily <laughs> able to get them all mixed up now i got the the second edition kickstarter version and that's that's cool it looks great but yeah the the plan behind your individual little plastic thing is good i like it the practical application of it for anyone who's got sausage fingers really not so good you will either have to play with some articulate chopsticks pair of tweezers or yes you'll need to move those components outside of your little plastic tray and and maybe just have them on the table yes but as we've mentioned a few times previously i have rather small girlish hands and even still i did not enjoy those components (laughs) at the time but it's good to see that they've kind of moved ahead of that which is but it must be said that production round plays itself really as long as you can count up to i think 15 then you're going to be okay if you have problems counting, the inside of your player screen will give you 
up to is it yeah 18 times tables or something so it's pretty something like that useful mathematically yep so then we've got the development and in the development that is where players are going to be able to access new development tiles which you will use in the subsequent rounds to that little uh, development board you have behind your screen where you can do different actions so every round is going to be you're going to be doing more every action round you're going to be doing more interesting things you're going to be able to flip them over because they're all double-sided on to do different things in each round so it's really good that little section i think yep yeah i agree this game that i, I like that little round i think it's it's quite useful um you need to be able to get a bit of long-term strategy not that it really helps me <laughs> no no that it doesn't mm. then we move on to the research and in the research it is exactly what it is you're going to be researching new kinds of technology and that could mean that uh you can go to different areas of the board it could mean that you know you can sell more phones in certain areas so there's lots of little different things and different players will go after different ones throughout the game so earlier you might be able to do something that somebody else won't be able to do to the later rounds to give you that advantage but they might have gone after something else which you might have been able to so it's a little what am i going to do it now i'm going to do it later am i going to bother am i going to put my resources into something else there's that going back and forth which is always interesting yeah and look i mean the different technologies that you're going to be getting you're going to be getting uh what near field communication you're going to be trying to get 4g technology you want to get gaming bits onto your phone all of them will allow you yes to sell to, to different marketplaces which is incredibly important but they'll also give you a boost or a benefit either immediately for unlocking that technology or for every round moving forward for the rest of the game there's going to be a, a, a phase in that game in that round where you'll be able to do something extra and anyone who's unlocked that technology can get the benefit of that. So that in itself is really cool because it allows you to have a little bit of control over your particular phone company and what does it want to do. Um, but also there is heaps of variability because again, there are double-sided technology tokens. There are a bit of, bit of everything that allows you to have a lot of replayability. Certainly does. And then we're going to move over to one of the funnest phases of the game, because this is where you get to screw over your friends, Yay. which is the expansion phase. And this is where you're going to be using your trucks and going across the world and setting up offices in different countries and continents in places where your friends had monopolies on their smartphone industry. You're going to be going, nope, I'm going to be taking a wedge of your pie now. And that's all well and good, because the first couple of rounds of the game, everyone's kind of got their own little you know, section of the board kind of locked up and they think, oh, this is great. I'm going to keep making all this money. I'm going to do well. But then everyone starts invading everybody else's territory and all all the fun that ensues. <laughs> you you could just turtle up everything in Australia and then hope you roll dice really well as <laughs> as people try to attack you. Yes. Wait, that's that's risk. I'm sorry. Yes, I was going to say, slightly different game, although in this game, it could possibly work as well. You never know. Oh, look, if, you know, it, I, I think it's, it's this phase. And again, you know, third round in, people have finally expanded and, and competition is real. And this is, this is, again, where it was that first aha moment where I personally realized, okay, this game needs to be played at close to maximum player count or at maximum player count because it's where it switches from being a Euro economic board game where you have complete control over your business and your um, future to... Ah, okay. Now I'm thinking, and I've got to got to factor in what other people's strategies are. I've got to maybe try and negotiate. Um, can you not come to um, Australia and maybe build your office over in South America? Can you do something else that's not going to stuff me over as much, please? And it's also where if you've played with the AI player, which we have, 
they start to really mess things up because Steve, which is the AI player, and I don't, I have no idea where they got the name for that. You know, it's just, uh, <laughs> just you know, a random name out of a hat. But Steve will. Steve the name father. Yeah. Exactly. Steve will just sell garbage phones at a garbage low price to anybody and everybody, regardless of, of the quality of the phone. It's horrible. It's really horrible. Yeah. Oh, but Garth, Garth said something though. That the problem with the the baseboard that it comes with, you really need four or five people so yeah. that you can. Now again, I think they fixed that, but I don't want to spoil it yet. I don't want to spoil it yet. <laughs> but yes, no, it definitely benefits from having more people to kind of get. You want to be on top of each other. I think like a lot of good Euro games, things like uh, El Grande and stuff like that. Apparently, that game you can play with like three players, but no, no, no you absolutely do not. Uh, yeah, and then the final phases are going to be where you're actually going to be making your money and you're going to be selling stuff. However, the people that have put the uh, the bid in for the lower cost cell phones get to go first because there's only a certain amount of room to sell in all these different countries because at the end of the day, if you sell somebody a cell phone, you can't then do it again because they've already got a cell phone. We only need one or two or our friend Bo, who works for a telecommunications company, has 75 at any time. But that, you know, <laughs> he is a special case. So there is always that thing of like, well, I want to sell high, but I've got to make sure I have my own little slice of this pie of this board because people are going to swoop in and take it from me. And then you do that. And then you do that for five rounds. And every round you get slowly better with your technologies and the development and the thing you can do. And at the end of it, funnily enough, much like real life, kind of sadly, the richest player wins. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. it is amazing when you set this game up and you see that the score track, of which you will start pretty close to zero, goes up to potentially three or 400 points that yep. you could be getting. So very much in the style of Russian railroads, I guess, you will have the first round and maybe score five points, 10 points. But as you go on and on and on in these later rounds, there are points uh, rounds where you could, if you don't get screwed over by someone whose name's Leon, score ah. approaching 100 points, which I was going to, except for Leon. Yeah. But anyway, I, we'll talk I, about I, it. I, I, did, I did a win. It was fun. It's very, <laughs> very rare that I get to do that. But yeah, no, I, I very much did it. So before... Our illustrious guest tells us about the expansion, which sadly me and Garth haven't had a chance to play yet because there are all these other games that keep coming out that we have to play. But we had played that base game. And um, yeah, it was a game that it's not normally my kind of cup of tea, but I had heard lots of real positive things. I know one of the guys from the Dice Tower, one of the newer guys, when they did, I think, their top 100 earlier in the year, I think he rated smartphone like in his top five. It might have even been like one, two or three. And I was like, hmm interesting and i asked a few other uh, friends that had played the game and they said yeah it's worth having a look at and then when we got into the table i was like oh cool this is interesting but then halfway through i was like this is this is brilliant euro games are not normally things that kind of grip me in but there are a few in the past like things like power grid concordia we've talked about earlier that some of them just do get me and regardless of what the theme is or what's going on the mechanics are just that solid that they get you in and this one is absolutely in that category in my one that's I think it's honest. his his longtime secret desire to be a CEO or a mogul of a cell phone company. Is that what it is? Just rising to the top, Leon? Yeah, something to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, I think this game, you know, does does 
the Euro and the economic thing really, really well. It, 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 the first round, it's basically a solo. You just, you're just getting your business figured out. You're, you're figuring it out. And almost that first round is, is essentially a tutorial. It's, it's showing you this is how you're going to play the game because there is not going to be anyone competing with you because the board has you know, five different starting locations. So you're each going to have your own little market to compete with. It then becomes quite simply more complicated and more complicated. And the vast bulk of the time of this game is spent secretly behind your player board, organizing your actions for that particular round. And that, and that is a really fun yet infuriating puzzle because you never are able to do everything you want. And that is a sign of a great, great design is that I know I can do this and I know I can do that, but I really need to do both, but I can't do both. So I need to play that long-term strategy to, to hopefully try and you know, get my, my plans to fruition. What did you think about the, the way that you would be able to program your, your round, BJ? What did you think of that you know, sitting behind the player board? I'll tell you, rounds four and five, when you're staring at all the other players and you know you need a certain price, and you know that Leon is probably going to go undercut it by a dollar. And Garth is going to be one above it. So you're safe. I'm going to go to that five and it's going to be perfect. Everybody's going to be, you know, everybody's going to be up above me. and I'm going to have the whole market. And Leon drops it below and he goes to $4 and he takes all of my spots. <laughs> that makes this game, that that mechanic alone, the, the bluffing, the mind games, the trying to figure out. I love. I, lo I do love all the programming. I love the fact that you're trying to fit all these pieces onto this tiny little board and, and you inevitably can't get every single action you want. But what I really like is that poker mechanic when you're staring at everybody and you're trying to fool them into thinking that this is what you're going to do. And then it doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> oh man, it doesn't work. <laughs> all right. Well, before we go on and talk about our final thoughts about this game, BJ, can you please give us a kind of quick overview of... um the expansion which sadly we haven't had a chance to get to the table just yet i i can't believe this i just looked on my phone i have played smartphone 11 times wow. 11 times and 60 percent of those correctly like with the right rules and everything so <laughs> over that's half of the bad, time that's not a bad the, effort <laughs> the first rule book was just not good it was just it took us two or three times maybe even four times before we finally felt like we were playing the game correctly and I, ironically it was after watching a, a video from tom and we noticed that tom had picked up a couple of things that we had missed in the rule book i think arcane wonders worked with cosmodrome games they got the second edition out the rule book is better they fixed some of those issues but even more importantly they're getting that update 1.1 expansion out and i adore this expansion it went from a good game smartphone to a game i wanted to play 11 times you know so I, i've gotten in five or six more plays with it and the reason being it's added stuff one of the problems with the first game is two or three players it just wasn't it, the board was too big and you know yeah you put down those little um i forgot what they call them the little market areas that block off the uh the, yeah, the stuff retailers retailers and you can and you can score victory points very, very, you know, it just let me down. Yeah, it's not the, the two to three player board is just the Americas, and you are only going to block off maybe one area. The rest of it's all going to be fighting. And, and, and instead of the original game where different player colors seem to have an advantage because of where they start, you're going to start in a random position on the board. So you're, you're going to instantly be, it's almost that proverbial knife fight in a phone booth. I mean, it's a small board. Two or three players are going to be attacking each other right away. Everybody's going to stake out their claim for a corner. So the first two rounds are very similar to the way that you guys have played. But after that, it's it's a battle royale, and I like that. They also added a couple of different things, too. They added this in-game goal 
where you can try to uh, get 12 extra points by fitting these goals. And it's like one more than whatever the number of the players are. I think something like that. Uh, And that's fun because that means that some of the mechanics that you might ignore normally, you're going to have to do that or else, you know, people are going to be scoring 12 points on you. They also added a CEO mechanic where some of the technologies that come out are going to interact with your, your color, your CEO, and you get to move that CEO around the board. It's just one more level to think about. If, if you find after two or three players, as a lot of my friends have said, smartphone kind of is the same thing after two or three plays, you know, you know how you're going to do it. Somebody's going to go high the whole game. Somebody's going to go low the whole game. Somebody's going to try to do technology the whole game. The CEO mechanic changes that up. You're just going to have to zig when other people are zagging. And that's just yeah. the way it is. It's going to be different every game. Excellent. And there, there are a couple of different modules that you can add in. So you don't have to add them all in at once. You can you can pick and choose the ones that you like or are curious in, which is which is always good. You know, Leon is a big fan of an, an expansion just should just be more of what you already like in the game. And it does that. It offers you more different tiles, but it also offers you a couple of extra modules you can throw in if you if you are finding that the game is getting a bit repetitive. And I, now like we've only played it three or four times. So I certainly don't feel that there's any repetition yet. We've played at different player counts. We've flipped all the technologies and all that to, to make sure they're different. Look, I, I do want to talk about Steve, the AI player, because it's probably the first game in years that I have deliberately chosen to, to throw in an AI player, all because I'm searching to get it to that maximum player count. And it's disruptive. It really throws out everyone's strategy because you know that Steve will be the cheapest or if not the equal cheapest player on the board. And he will be selling phones to everybody. And it makes things really different to playing against, you know, three or four other real life gamers. It, it really mixes it up. Uh, and I don't know, I'm not sure whether I like it or not. It's kind of hard to say, because in those first few rounds, from what I recall, he was almost like a non-entity. He's like, yes, he was selling stuff uh, lower than everybody else, but it wasn't that big a deal. We were still doing leaps and bounds ahead. But in those last couple of rounds, because he has access to so many more phones than everybody else, because he's selling them for so cheap, by the end of it, did the did the AI player end up winning that game? I can't remember. But I no, but I think he beat you and me. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, I suppose it is an AI player. You want them to have a chance, I guess, of winning because it's kind of, um, what's the point of having them there otherwise? But yeah, as we said before, this is a game that you want that higher player count. Otherwise, just um, just kind of play something else. Or as you said, with that expansion, with the different board, you can go down to that and have that, that knife fight, which is what you want. I really, really like this game. When we do our end of year top 10, I reckon there's a solid chance this may be in there. I enjoyed it that much. And for me, it is the second coming of Power Grid. It's not exactly the same as Power Grid, but in my mind, it kind of fits a similar type of vein. And they're two games that I could still happily have next to each other. They'll be probably sitting on the exact same sh- uh, shelf on my in my Calax, and they'll probably be there for, for years and years to come. So I hope a lot more people will get onto it because... Yeah, it is like, it's been successful, that's for sure, and it's been popular, but I think a lot of people, once they actually play it for the first time, the very similar like to Concordia, I'd heard that was good, but not until I played it, that click happened in my brain and went, yes, this is excellent, very well done. I thought it was kind of meh. <laughs> yep, fair point. Yep, I can see that <laughs> no, as well. I absolutely loved it, uh, and I, I I liked it a lot when it came out. It was it was one of my top games of the year, but the, this expansion... It's so far at least the best expansion I've played this year. It's been it's been phenomenal. So it takes it into a game that w- if I I haven't done a you know I haven't done a 
top 20 or top 50 in a while. Uh, it would be up there. I, I would I would play this over Power Grid. And, I, and the other thing is I've always wanted to play Food Chain Magnet because even though the board doesn't look very nice, the theme of the game is enticing. Agreed. But the mechanics, I mean, they seem kind of similar games. I've never played it, but but at least the descriptions I've heard seem like similar games. And I don't see why I'd play Food Chain Magnet over this game. Smartphone Inc. with the expansion does everything I want to do in much less time on a much prettier board. Yeah. Oh, but Food Chain Magnet, but what are you talking about? That's the greatest looking board game ever made. It's it's very expensive to look like utter garbage. And from what I've been told, there are many games that can finish where somebody has, what did you have? I had 50 points. What did you have? I had 975 points. Sounds like a belter. Again, like BJ, I haven't played it, so I'm slagging it something I've not played. But yeah, not for me. Garthy boy, what did you think of the smartphones? Oh, look, I really, really, really enjoy this game, and I'm so glad I backed it. I'm so glad I have the expansions to look forward to. I've not played the two- and three-player board, but that's because I want to have four or five people around a table when I can at the moment. So, but I, I would almost caution against even playing it at four. I just think play it at five because that's where this game for me has really been singing. I love the difference between the, the economic Euro side and the player interaction, which just throws up that really random element. You, you can try your best to tr- figure out what your opponents are going to do, but you just, as, as BJ said, you're just going to be wrong and you're going to try strategies that you think there's no way this can work. And it just might because it's so out there. So the the thing is you need to go and watch this little YouTube video about how to fit everything into the box because <laughs> there's no insert here. They're, they're, it's just a box full of bags and, and pieces. And, and that's probably not good enough in today's age. So you won't probably fit everything in the first time without re- looking at that video. Uh, but this game is a cracker. It's not leaving my shelf, that's for sure. And yeah, there's some some expansions in there that I really want to get to the table and we'll have to make that happen. Yeah, thumbs up for me. I love smartphone and I recommend it. I, I really do. For anybody that says Euros can't be interactive, they just haven't played smartphone because smartphone right. is definitely interactive. <laughs> yep, you are 100% right. And on that, not a bombshell because it's a good game that we all think is good. Uh, that is the end of the episode this week. That is 319 in the bag there, Garthy boy. And we had a very, very lovely special guest. Isn't that good? It is. It's fantastic, which is why we only ever ask the right people on here. And that is why, BJ, you have been a very wonderful and very gracious guest. So thank you very much for spending your time, whatever time that may be, uh, over in the other side of the the world, uh, talking to a couple of nobodies from Tasmania. It has been episode 319. BJ, one last chance to do some shout-outs and uh, get a little bit of self-promotion in there, mate. I got to make it quick because you guys uh, got, uh, bought an awesome flight for me back to the United States, but I, I mean, I got to hurry up and catch it. I, mean, I really appreciate the the hospitality I mean, the flight, the hotel, the uh, Outback uh, adventure. I mean, really anybody that gets invited to come on the show, you got to do it. But yeah, oh, we have BJ a little bit of cash kicking around. Yeah. Sure. BJ from Morgan Gumbo. Our show is Gumbo Live on Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Central. It's on Facebook and it's on YouTube. Check it out. It's everywhere you look. It's at Board Game Gumbo on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much again. And look, as always, thank you to our sponsor, LFG, Looking for Gamers. Please jump onto their particular website and order games, maybe even smartphone there. Who knows? LFG-oz.com.au. We are, as always, the Dice Men Cometh. And we are at Dice Men Cometh on all the things from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter 
to who knows, including Patreon. So if you do want to keep us going, chuck us a cheeky dollar, hey, Leon, why not? Yeah, chuck us a cheeky dollar or thousands. It's fine. We don't mind. It'll be fine exactly. either which way. But yes, no, before we go, I do want to, and not just because he's sitting here looking at me from across the world, I just do want to say that Board Game Gumbo is a very cool show. You can just see the the happiness and the passion for board games coming out of the screen every time you see it. If you can work out the time difference on when to see it, because clearly I can't because I'm an idiot. But from the time to time, I have been able to catch it or even been on it myself, which will be hopefully again sometime soon in the future. It is definitely worth a watch. And it's kind of reminds us of our own show before me and Garth became old, jaded veterans of this industry. You know, that's our that's our philosophy. That is our motto. We try to be one thirteenth as good and as fun as the Dice Men Come and go. I think we're successful. I, I think you're almost there. So well done. <laughs> All right. Well, anyhow, this was another episode for another fortnight. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And we will be back when we're back. So see ya. Bye. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG SN Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.